This is Michael Howell. You're listening to Awakened Nation with Brad Zollis. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zollis, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. I have an exciting guest on here today. He's written an extraordinary book. And for those of you who want to go into the reality zone, uh, we're about to take a flight there right now. And it's one of my favorite subjects. Uh, Michael W. Howell cuts to right to the heart of the matter, using only facts with no conspiracy theories to show us exactly what the new world order global agenda actually is and how it is being put into place right under the noses of the people of the world. This is without a doubt the most comprehensive volume ever written about the subject. Learn how super special interests pull strings of world affairs for this agenda using secret societies, puppet politicians, the Cloward and Piven social engineering strategy, the communist manufacturing manifesto, wars, and all manner of terrible world events. What you do know is shocking. What you don't know will blow your mind. Please, welcome to the show, Michael Howell. Thanks for being on today, buddy. Thanks for having me, Brad. When did you discover this? Because I know about the Cloward Piven strategy. I know about some of this, but the more we start delving into this, anybody who claims they don't believe in conspiracy theories is either not awake or they're just, they're in a bubble because right now everything's heating up. Am I correct? Yes, everything is at a boiling point. And let's, let's address those two words before we get into the interview. Conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. Right? One of the things I wanted to tackle with anatomy of the global agenda was, I've been at this for 30 years. I can't tell you how many times I've been called a conspiracy theorist. So I wanted to write a book that told the president, that told what's going on in a factual manner not using conspiracy theories. Circling back, addressing those two words, everything is a conspiracy. A conspiracy by definition is just when two or more people do something. So by definition, we do have a conspiracy. Now let's address that that second word, theory. All right? These aren't theories what's happening. These have been chronological uh, written about. They, they go to all their CFR Bilderberg meetings and speak on this. I'm a public speaker myself, and I've been on the billing with a lot of the people that I wrote against. I've actually sat in the audience, I've sat backstage with these people, and I've talked one-on-one with these people. And I've debated these people. I have over 300 live debates in my, in my life. I've debated a lot of the people who are for this global agenda. So whenever I wrote the book, after being behind the scenes for so many years and seeing how really how really evil this plan is and the deception that's going on to implement it, I just felt compelled that I had to separate myself from that. And I had to tell, you know, your brads and everyone else what really is going on and what the end game really is. And like you said, we are at a boiling point right now. So very important. It's amazing. I started to learn about this stuff when I got married to uh, to my wife. She was from the Caribbean Afro-Caribbean, and she says, you're an American, you don't seem to be aware of what's actually going on around the world. So I started doing the basic research. And I didn't go into the, the deeper text, I just started with Richard Mayberry, who's a 
geopolitical analysts and, and he looks at politics and economic influences and he has a very hard line. He doesn't go past what we would call in quotes a conspiracy. He sticks with the economics and he starts to break down how we're just like the Roman Empire and they're playing with the, the money and the currency and debasing it. So I began with that, the currency debasing. And then I read the book by um, Griffin, uh, the uh, creature from Jekyll Island. And that's when I started to realize there are hands behind our day-to-day -day lives that are taking away our freedoms, our ability to live and, and survive properly, and to be able to, to even buy groceries. I remember when I was a kid, uh, when I first moved out of the house, a $20 bill could get me a week's worth of groceries. Today, a $20 bill gets you four items at Starbucks. And people don't realize if you're lucky. Yes. And people don't realize this slow whittling away is going to create a global poverty problem. And I believe that's the, the entire ideology of the Cloward Piven strategy. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Cloward and Pivens, and it's it's ironic that you touch on that because whenever I sit down to outline this book, I didn't want another New World Order book. You know, they're a dime a dozen, and they're not really that good and don't really go into that that much detail. One of the things that I noticed about, you know, these type of books that try to explain what's going on, none of them, none of them had Cloward and Pivens in it. Well, Cloward and Pivens is the ultimate economic strategy to burden burden our system to collapse the dollar. So you can't tell the story of global agenda without first addressing economics. Anyone who knows me, I'm an end-of-fetter guy. My logo on Facebook is in the Fed and everything. I mean, right. I am an end-of-fetter. So when you talk economics, my ears really perk up because this is the heart of, of my book. Everything comes from the money. Now, we're seeing two parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, fight over stupid, needless stuff that has no bearing on each other's lives or anything like that. But I'm not seeing them rally around the one thing that first of all stops all of this silliness and it affects us all and that is our money. Well, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 gave us the Federal Reserve that we operate under now. But in American history, we actually had two prior central banks, the first central or the first Bank of America and, and, I, and the second Bank of America. Right. Way too original with the names, I know. But, but they were on 20-year charters, each one of them. This is when you had the Thomas Jefferson and all them fighting over the economics as uh, economic policies that America would, would, would undertake. But <clears throat> those two first banks of America, First Bank and Second Bank of America, were set up on 20-year charters. Well, the people at that time realized that central banking is corrupt by nature, and it has no business being over a uh, nation's currency. So we dissolved those. You know, we had a wake society that knew what was going on, and they were like, no, this is stupid. End it. You know, right. so we beat those two charters. Then comes 1913, and, and, you know, you read the greatest book, in my opinion, and it is The Creature from Jekyll Island. Um, he does a, he can explain it way, way better okay. and more detail than I can, but this is at the heart of the global agenda. All the other stuff that we fight over, the vaccines, the chemtrails, we need to hit that fight just as hard as anything else, but at the heart of it is the economic policy. What do we do whenever, whenever a store, a, a retail store doesn't line up with us. We boycott them. We vote with our dollars. Well, this is how you end the silly election rigging and all of this stuff is you start voting with your dollars. Take Facebook, for an example. Everybody's going around saying, Facebook censor me. You know, 
Well, it's a private company who is a publishing company. I don't like the way Facebook operates either, but this is what I'm talking about. Why don't we exercise the free market? Right. Why don't we do that in all aspects? At the, we're sitting here trying to follow all these paperwork and fight all these battles when they're wanting our money. So let's use our money for us. Let's get out of the big, uh, the big retail corporate-owned stores that don't care about us anyway. Let's go grow our community with a small local. Local, you know, economics is the answer to ending all of this. And I could, I could ramble on, and I don't want to ramble on your show, but we really need to get an understanding of our economic policy first. Well, you know, you, you hit so powerfully on this as the basis because that's a structure for every country. What is the coin? How do you, how do you uh, create a stable economy? And the one book that I read, uh, and I recommend yours highly, uh, The New World Order Global Agenda, um, I read Richard Mayberry's Ancient Rome, How It Affects You Today. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how in ancient Rome they used to take a knife and they cut off the uh, little amount of silver, and they keep cutting off a little amount of silver. And instead of one coin buying you a loaf of bread, uh, now it took uh, 25 coins to buy a loaf of bread because they had been, you know, whittled down. And so today's modern equivalent of that is the printing of it, whether it's currency, whether it's digital or in physical form. And people just don't seem to understand when they, when we're trying to get across to this, this invisible hand that's controlling us, it starts with your ability to make a living. Ladies and gentlemen, it starts with your ability to, uh, die with dignity and have your own money. And they talk, everybody's running around right now talking about all these socialist countries. Like, you know, Denmark does it right and all this. Well, people don't realize in those countries, they make it look like it's stable because the World Bank is there in some of these countries. And the second thing is the suicide rate is double in those countries because at the end of your life, you want to be able to save some money and pass it on to your family. And when you've worked an entire life and you realize the government has taken everything you have ever worked for, it's pretty darn depressing. It is. It yeah. is. And none of these socialist countries are, quote, working. None of them. And I, get, I get this thrown at me all the time, too. And they'll always say, what about Denmark? Or, you know, they'll start throwing out all these other you know, socialist countries. And I use the same facts as you use. They're not working. You're looking at an aspect. You're looking at, well, this country gives away free Medicare. It's working. Yay. Well, let's look at the big picture. What's the suicide rate like you brought up? And, you know, what's the average? You know, there's a whole bunch of variables. But in order to beat the global agenda, you have to hold on to your individual sovereignty. Yes. Well, what's happening is we're having a fight against collectivism and individualism. That's what they want. They, 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 the one thing that they want, they know they can't have, and that's your soul. You know, you're, so they're steering you in directions. They're going to make it hard for us to do anything. And they're making, if you look at the younger generation, they're begging for government. As we're past generations, we're trying to get rid of government. Right. Look at Ronald Reagan himself. Ronald Reagan said, you know, don't look to the government for the answers. Government is the problem, you know. And what we have now is we actually have a generation, actually the past two generations being raised, looking for the government for, you know, help and all of this. It's self-responsibility. It's taking, taking initiative of your own life that defeats these guys. 
and defeats these corporations and this global agenda. And it's like you talked about a while ago with Denmark and all these other countries. We do the same thing. We float our economy. I mean, we're $21 trillion in debt. Let's not pretend like we're a rich nation. All right. If my bank account has negative $100, guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to buy anything. So what we do is we keep floating loans on our future generations, you know, and having them pay for it. But what's not – let me – man, economics, I could really ramble on. Yeah, John, <laughs> anytime man. you're talking about the yeah. – anytime you talk about the Federal Reserve, my ears really perk up. But nice. Let's just go to the legality, all right? Let's forget all this. We should be doing this. Let's just go to the legality of it. According to the Constitution and the Constitution only, who has the authority to print and coin money? Congress. We gave Congress that power. The first Bank of America, we recognized that we took that power away from Congress and gave it to a corporation. Because all these central banks, they may be called First Bank of America, but they're private companies. The IMF, the World Bank, the Vatican Bank – the Bank of International Settlements, the um, Federal Reserve, they are just as private as a Chase Manhattan Bank or, or any other bank. They are a private company. Well, when a country gives away their economic power to a corporation, here's the thing. If we took every single penny in circulation, Brad, this is very important, and if your listeners don't listen to anything I say, listen to this, because this is how serious this is. If every single household in America took every single penny from their bank accounts, from their piggy banks, from underneath the cushions, from everywhere, and gave it back to the Federal Reserve, washed our hands of them and said, you know what? You're corrupt. You're evil. We're done with you. Here's your money back. You know what they're going to do? They're going to look at you and go, okay, that's fine. Where's my interest at now? Now, keep in mind, we just turned in every single penny in circulation. So there's no more money in, in circulation because we just took it back to the Federal Reserve. But the Federal Reserve is going to look at us and go, okay, fine. Now where's my interest? How do we pay the interest? They only accept Federal Reserve notes. They don't accept gold. They don't accept silver. So you have to go take out another loan just to pay the interest. Yes. So it, it's a pyramid scheme. People who are pissed off at Bernie Madoff need to be a lot more pissed off at your government because it's the oh. purchasing power of the American people, and it's this printing of fictitious money out of thin air that's backed by nothing that is controlling us, that is keeping the racial division in order, that's keeping the economic division in place. It is through the currency. Give the people back the right to power, or, or excuse me, give the people back the right to coin, issue, and distribute our money and take it out of corporate bankers' hands. We used to owe ourselves. The debt used to be us owing ourselves. Yes. Now we owe China. Now we owe bankers. You know, We should own our own debt. Into usury, why are we paying money to use money? Is that not the most silliest concept? I agree. And, and those of you who are listening and the, this subject signed, it kind of feels like it's going over your head or whatever, ask yourself why you're not taught basic economics in high school. Why are you not taught anything about where money comes from? Money does not exist unless it is borrowed into existence. And um, I want to touch on something a little bit, Michael. If we went back to 1776, they teach this kind of wrong in most of the school system here, but... What made the United States of America so unique in the history of the world is not just our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence, but they flipped the pyramid. Before 1776, kings 
were the only ones who could own land and sovereignty and, and have sovereignty, which means they were the final word on anything you bought or sold. The, um, the, the Magna Carta, which came along, was actually written to give nobles the ability to own and manage the money for the kings. If we hadn't had the Magna Carta, the great uh, contract, um, you wouldn't have been able to, to have a, a house today. But when the United States came along, it flipped that global pyramid scheme, and it said that the individual who owned land, didn't matter if it was male or female, if you could own land, you had sovereignty. And that's an incredibly important word. That means you are the king of your domain. That means you have the ability to control that land, to buy and sell, do whatever you want. Government cannot interfere with that. And by the way, there's no such thing as an economic model called capitalism. Capitalism, no. individual capitalism, is the result of you having liberty, freedom, and sovereignty to pursue what you want. And today, that has all been replaced very slowly with a plutocracy that's run by an oligarchy that's disguised as a free market. Let's talk about exactly. That. We're a plutocracy. You're right. At the heart of sovereignty is economics, is the power, or excuse me, at the at the heart of freedom is your your ability to own land and to you know to practice individualism. You know, not be. Right. I'm really big against collectivism because collectivism is very dangerous to society. Whenever you speak about individualism, people think you know you may be cocky or whatever. That doesn't mean that you only focus on yourself. I mean, a good a good scenario of individualism is when a car crash happens or, or anything like that. The paramedics aren't able to enter in the scene to help anyone unless it's safe. Because without the paramedics, if, if the paramedics aren't safe and secure, then they can't render aid to anybody else. You know what I mean? Right. Well, we're at that point now. We need to be paramedics as far as securing scenes, securing our economic scenes, securing our, you know, all the things that, that attack individuality. But individuality is not where you're just yourself, yourself, yourself. I still give charitable. I still, you know, whenever I see a homeless person or whatever, I help them out whenever I can. But individualism is a right to live your life how you see fit as long as you don't cause harm to others. Collectivism is completely the opposite of that. You're told how to live your life. You're told, you know, think of it as every day in boot camp or basic training, you know, that kind of mentality. Right. may not have someone in your face yelling at you every moment, but you are you are stripped of your individual rights. And that's what we're here for. That's why we have the Second Amendment. It's not to talk about the weather and things like that. It's so that we can get through these hard issues by talking about them from different aspects. Well, what collectivism does is it gives you the idea, it drills the idea in it, and then it says, now it's the law. Well, wait a minute. We didn't have a talk about it. We didn't do anything about it. That's, that, that's collectivism. Yes. individualism is where I sit there and say, well, I understand what you're saying, but I don't agree with it. And I'm not harming anyone in how I live my life. So no, your, your law or whatever is ridiculous. That's what, that's the kind of place that we need to start taking back. One of my favorite stories is Arnold Abbott, a 93 year old native veteran got arrested three times in Florida for feeding the homeless three times. Wow. First of all, the first time was ignorant and I blame the law enforcement. The second and third time should have been the community's fault. Where was the ring of people around him saying, you're not going to arrest this man for feeding people? You know, right. 
instead, what do we do? We see a homeless person on the road, we get out our camera or we do this, or, you know, we see a fight on the street, we pull out our camera so we can post it on our social media. We need to take back our morality. How are you going to fight an immoral fight if you don't have morals yourself? It's so society true. as a whole needs to take back all these, you know, it's not cool to hurt people. You know, you don't look cute. You look stupid, right? Well, that's what they're doing to us. They're hurting us, and we're laughing at each other because he's a Republican, and she's a Democrat, and, and he's a Libertarian. Who cares? They're all the same. They're all on the same team. Their goal is to have us fighting. What we need to do is we need to rally together behind these economic policies around all this other stuff that we can win that does affect everybody. You know, big movement right, right now is flat earth. What shape is the earth? You know, I don't care what shape the earth is. I right. care what shape the earth is in. And right now the shape that the earth is in is horrible. And we're going to leave this to our kids. Why? Because we're lazy. Because we don't want to fight, because we don't understand the fight, because American Idol comes on tonight, because the New York Yankees are playing tonight. Okay? Well, then you need to be honest with yourself. And when you go and kiss your kids at night, good night, or you go kiss your grandchildren good night, you need to tell them and you need to apologize for the world that you're leaving them because your priorities wasn't in order. Now, I know to your listeners, that's harsh. But yeah. how much harsher does this have to get before we realize what is going on? This isn't a game. They're not spraying the skies with barium and aluminum because this is some game. You know, vaccines aren't in the state that they're in right now by accident. It's true. Your economic policy isn't in the hands of international bankers by accident. There is an agenda going on here. And if you stay in that two-party system fighting with your neighbor because he's a Democrat, then you're just as guilty as the international bankers themselves because you're playing their game. All right? True. Let them play baseball. You play the game of life, and your children will be thankful for it. My children will be thankful for it. Our grandchildren will be thankful for it. You keep playing this international banker, and you're going to – Oh, man, the consequences are unimaginable. We've already seen wars, and we've already seen the government take over our education system. We've seen them take oh. over our health care now, our medical system. At what point is this two-party back-and-forth silly? Well, for me, it was years ago. For me, this two-party back-and-forth, was it was stupid years ago. Now with, a, with, with Obama and Trump, it just seems like more division has come on into an America, into America, and we're not focusing on things that really do matter, like well, our that, money. We're focusing on the Republicans said this, the Democrats said this. Well, stop listening. Then. Yeah, I agree. Um, let me tell our listeners real quick. Um, Michael Howell is on our show today, and he wrote the book Anatomy of the Global Agenda. And this is not a conspiracy theory book. He actually goes in, does deep research, and uses the actual words from the books of some of the top people in the world telling us exactly what's going on. Um, so go to Amazon and pick that up. I want to talk a little bit about collectivism because a lot of people don't really understand what that word means. Collectivism, uh, and I believe I got this definition best from um, G. Edward uh, Griffin, and that is collectivism is this idea that government has to step in and raise taxes and create social programs for the greater good because, you know, human beings can't govern themselves anymore. I'm being sarcastic. And collectivism is always this road towards socialism and communism because at some point, 
people run out of money. And that's when governments throughout history have had to come in with a big stick and a gun and beat you to get more out of you. And we're at this point in life, you know, some people would say, uh, is it Aldous Huxley's world we're living in or is it George Orwell's world we're living in? And some people may not even know what we're talking about because if you went through the public school system in the United States and you are of a certain age, they do not talk about any of this stuff. Uh, so which world are we living in, Michael? A little bit of both and neither. We're actually living in Zygmunt Brzezinski's world. You're living in David Rockefeller's world, J.D. Rockefeller's. You're living in Evelyn Rothschild's world, Jacob's Rothschild's world. And that's what I want your listeners to understand. George Orwell, you know, all these people, they wrote really great books, but don't give them credit for, for, you know, living in their world. And I understand what you mean by that, and I agree completely, but... We need words have meanings and words are spells. That's why they call it spelling. So we need to be accurate in the words that we use. And we're not living in an author's world right now. I wish we were because I could pick a million other authors I would like to live in their world. But we're living in the Rothschild's world. We're living in the Rockefeller's world. We're living in George Soros's times. And that's what I'm trying to convey to your listeners. Quit all the back and forth of, you know, this party and that party and reclaim your individual life and circling back to collectivism. Once you have individualism, your charities are, are better and stronger because you don't have that. It's like if you give uh, charity a hundred bucks, maybe $10 of that will go towards the actual, you know, donation and the rest goes towards, you know, everything else, but what it was intended to. Well, that's where we are now. We need to take back, you know, ask, ask me again, whose world we're living in. Ask me. Whose world are we living in? Orwell's I live or in Michael Howell's world. Nice. I live in Michael Howell's world, and it is guided with the litmus test and the baseline of liberty and freedom. That's it. That's let, it. Let Zygmunt Brzezinski, he's dead now, but let all these people write the books about the world that they want, you know, and let's stop them from getting the world that they want. But if you look at these books, Hillary Clinton's, and everybody always asks me why I read their books, well, this is why. You know, how us. can I play the Dallas Mavericks if I don't watch film on them and I know my enemy? So they'll go and listen to all these campaign speeches and then they'll hear me talking like Hillary. You know, I'm just using her as an example. She's not saying that. You know, no, she's not. But what is the what are the fruits that the trees bearing? That is what you will. That's at the heart of it. Forget what they say. You know, they're car salesmen, they're politicians, they're lawyers, they're scum. They're going to tell you whatever the hell they want to tell you because they want that power. But it's look true. at the fruits that they bear, you know. Look at, like, for Ron Paul. Ron Paul had a 30-year history of never voting for taxes. So when he got up there and he made a speech about taxes, guess what I did? I believed him because he had a 30-year. His, his tree bore, bore fruits of that, right. of that ideology for 30 years. So when we go hear Hillary Clinton and all these other scumbags talk, they have no interest in us. They are on a global agenda with an end game being Agenda 21. And how do they accomplish? Uh, how do they accomplish this? By instituting a communist manifesto, the Cloward and Piven strategy, the racial division, the economic division, and then that's how they get the separation. Because it's the Hegelian dialectic is all it is: problem, action, solution. They're going to yes. create the problem. You're going to give them the reaction, and they're going to come in like they created the solution when it was manufactured a long time ago in their secret society meetings. Everything yes. that you see rolling out now was planned years ago. Look at the Patriot Act. 
Patriot Act didn't come out because of 9-11. Patriot Act was written two years prior to 9-11. 9-11 was the event to roll out the Patriot Act. They were ready. They were ready for that. Yeah. And some people will say this goes as far back as Albert Pike, uh, who wrote uh, basically the guidebook for what they were going to prepare for with three world wars. Uh, and some of you may think this is, uh, you know, like we said, it's, it's fantasy. But the reality is, is everything is actually happening that they've predicted or talked about. Chapter 9.2 of, of Anatomy of the Global Agenda is Albert Pike. That's, he has his own chapter in, in this book. And so does Madame Helena Velosky, Alice Bailey, Alistair Crowley, Prescott Bush, Henry Kissinger, and George Soros. Right. And they all have their own chapter in Chapter 9, Proponents of the New World Order. And it starts with Adam Weissop of the Illuminati, and it goes all the way to George Soros. But to circle back to Albert Pike, you've got all these all these people crying for statues to be removed, but how come Albert Pike's in Washington, D.C.? Is it being vandalized and asked to be removed. He was a Confederate soldier, after all. Yeah. How well, come, how come no one's tearing down that statue? Let me tell you why. Because of who Albert Pike is and the agenda that he helped roll out. It's true. I'm going to give you a little creepy story. I used to go to 60 Worth Street in New York City all the time uh, to register mm -hmm. my businesses and go into the courtrooms and things like that. Uh, that's where you register. Your, that's the county clerk's office for Manhattan. So I remember I lived in Manhattan. Oh, so you know, um, I walked mm. in one day and I was beginning to wake up. And after I went through security, I went to this circular um, atrium where you pick your elevator or you go down the hall or you do wherever. And I looked down on the floor and I noticed pounded into the floor uh, with bronze and brass and all these other things was a complete zodiac sign on the floor that went into all 12 uh, of the zodiac signs. And I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. But then I stood there and I looked up into the dome ceiling and there is throughout history periods where from Babylon all the way to the Civil War, they showed all these great re, uh, you know, leaders throughout history, uh, Masonic leaders. And then I looked and in the corner of that atrium was a small pillar with a bust of Albert Pike. And I knew nothing back then. I just kind of took it all in and went, that makes no sense. <laughs> what is a southern, mm. you know, a southern, um, you know, radical uh, doing in a bust in the middle of New York City? And that's when I began kind of my search. Folks, it's right in front of you. They're telling you loud and clear what their agenda is if you learn what the language is that they're using. And uh, Michael, I think you've done an excellent job about this. Let's continue uh, uh, with this. It's they, they want to subjugate us. That's something we're, we're talking about. And people don't realize this. Americans have been called cocky when we go to other places in the world. And what they don't realize is we uh, are unique individuals because we've been taught, maybe it's not true anymore, but we've been taught that we tell our government what to do. Rather, in the rest of the world, the government tells the people what to do. So we can appear to a lot of other countries as cocky Americans. Um, but we have been also dumbed down. Uh, I don't know if you read the book, um, the, dumbing, the Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, but it lays out exactly uh, how that has been done, where they have actually taken away knowledge that is integral for a, a person to be a citizen on planet Earth. Let's not even talk about the United States, but to be a citizen on planet Earth. 
Um, let's talk about that a little bit because some people are listening right now and they're going, oh, come on. Well, you're a product of that dumbing down, ladies and gentlemen. Many of us are. I'm not saying everybody, but some of us. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that, Michael. Well, that response that you just gave that was 100% accurate that the people will have is proof that they're being dumbed down. Look at the fact that, and, and I got another book coming out in about two and a half weeks, three weeks, and it actually is, touches 100% on this topic. If you look at what is civics, civics is a study of government, how it works, and how you control your government. When they took civics out, and this is when Rockefeller really took over the education system, he had already taken over the uh, medical facility. You know, we're under Rockefeller medicine right now. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of that, but oh, yeah. our medical our medical system is the Rockefeller Foundation. But but anyway, whenever they they got into the educational system in the '60s, it took a couple of decades for them to to get to the point to where it would be passive enough to remove it civics but any a country that removes civics is on its way downhill because that is how you know what your government's doing and now you go ask the average american of the three branches of the government they can't tell you anymore they can't tell you judicial right. uh, legislative and executive they can't tell you the house and the senate and, and they can tell you how the executive branch works and legislation uh, legislative branch writes the laws, judicial branch judges the laws, and the ex executive branch executes the laws. They can't tell you the basic form of government, but what can they do? They can tell you this watered-down social studies that we've been taught. They can right. tell you this watered-down American history that we've been taught. Well, that was part of it was whenever they replaced civics with American history, now they had control of the history books and the history that they wanted to be told and the removal of what needed to be told. So this is the start of the watering down. And then you get decades of that kind of poor education and that kind of mismanagement of time and information, then you're going to be at the point that we're at right now. Our wow. education system is in shambles. I mean, even there's a lot of great, smart students out there. Don't get me wrong. But if, if you look at our test scores in general as a nation, if you look at our aspirations, our dreams, it's to win a lottery. Well, duh, you know, but nobody wants to go manufacture anything. Nobody wants to go and create anything. Everybody's living for a lottery ticket now. And that's basically for the dumbing down. You know, there's nobody knows how to run a business now. Nobody knows how right. to, you know, do the basics of life. It's now we need the government to supply us with this. No, right. we don't. No, we don't. Everything the government touches fails. Everything the government touches fails. Let me say that one more time. Everything the government touches fails. And to prove my point, name me one government program that's not in the red. Oh, wait. I've just got through researching this. Ever since 1952, there's never been a government program that's not in the red. And this is the same people that you want to have control of your business affairs, your economic affairs, but most important, your, your children's freedoms and liberties. So self-responsibility is how we beat these people these people, we educate ourselves to, to the game, first of all, to the game that we're playing. You have to recognize, even if you don't want to be in a game, you're in a game. All right? yes. we're, we're, we're given a birth date and a, da and a death date. In between that is a dash. What are you going to do with your dash? All right? That's where you're at right now to your listeners. What are you doing with your dash? Are you fighting with a Republican beside you? Are you fighting with a Democrat beside you? Or, or are you going... Is securing your child's future. 
Are you buying these books? Are you writing these books? Are you helping? Are you going to meetup groups? Ask your audience sometime, how many of y'all have ever even attended one town hall meeting? One. Just one. You know, so we can sit here and blame Soros and we can blame Rockefeller and surely the fault is at their feet. But to turn this around is self-responsibility. So when does Michael Howell start blaming Michael Howell? He did that years ago. You know, I stood in front of a mirror and I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like the fact that I was perpetuating this. What got me started in this was that when I was 14, um, I, uh, I was really heavily involved in JFK and nothing made sense to me about it. I mean, nothing, even to this day, nothing about it made sense. So I learned really early on that I was in the game, whether I was a willing participant or not. Well, everyone listening, you're in a game whether you want to be in or not. You can sit there and say, I don't pay attention to government. All you want. But government's paying attention to you. And they're wanting your kids, like Adolf Hitler said. I don't want this generation. I want your kids. Because the kids are the future. That's why they go in and they take over education systems. That's why they go in and, and federalize. Remember, airport security used to be private. We never had any issues. Right. Government takes over issues. You know, now we got shoe bombers. Now we got planes flying in the buildings and, you know, all this stuff. Everything the government touches is failure, people. Everything is self-responsibility that's going to turn this around. It's self-ownership, ownership of our economic policy, but ownership of our freedom. You know, it's okay to tell your government, no, you don't have the right to do that. Yes. Pick up, you know, and what, pick, I want people to pick up your book, Michael. Michael Howell, Anatomy of the Global Agenda. Um, there's something going on that the media seems to be ignoring, and I want to touch base with this. And I know this, it seems like the beginning of something, and you, you hit on it as well right here. You know, we're arguing back and forth, but I don't know if you've heard about the Walk Away movement. Uh, it was started by Brandon Straka. Uh, he was a gay man living in New York City, and he had been a, a, a liberal, a Democrat his whole life, and he just, he got tired of it, and he walked away, and he went to the Republican Party, and I'm not saying that's any better, but there seems to be this explosion where people are tired. It's a partial waking up, but when you see, like, Candace Owens standing up and saying, I'm no longer believing the narrative that they've thrown on the, the black people as a group, I feel like people are waking up in pockets now. Uh, do you see any of that taking place? Yes, I do. I do see a, a mass awakening, but it is in pockets, and it's a confusion because I hate to say this to people, but they've been asleep so, so long that when you finally get the nudge and you wake up, you're so far down a rabbit hole, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, if, if I go and tell you everything that's wrong in the world, then you will call me a crazy conspiracy theory because I'm going to tell you that vaccines are bad, that they're spraying the sky, that our food is GMO, that our economic policy is in the hands of international bankers, our politicians are bought by corporations. You know, that is crazy talk. And it's crazy talk that we let it get to this point. Not that, we're, not that I'm telling you that we're at the point, but it's crazy talk that we got to this point. And it's through self lack of self-ownership and self-responsibility that led us here. I'm not saying pitch your kids softball games and, you know, go to town hall meetings. But every Tuesday I set aside, and I've done this for about five, about five years now. Every Tuesday I write to five senators and five representatives emails for about five years now. I pick five of them. Not my, not my jurisdiction or not, you know, but 
any one of them that are in the news that are proposing policies that I don't like or whatever, they hear from me. All right. Well, you know how what percentage of us do that? Maybe two percent of the population. Wow. Right. So to that to that senator, he's not hearing from ninety eight percent of his constituents. So what does he think he's doing? A good job. Because only two percent of us are telling him. Only two percent of us are caring enough to send him an email going, This is wrong. It is. You know? You're touching on something. Yeah, I think we let it go, but I also think something happened. Uh, we, you know, they, they took us off the gold standard and all of a sudden we got pounded with, with um, a recession. And then all of a sudden, boom, people are making money like crazy right? in the 80s and the 90s and money became our God. And um, nothing wrong with, you know, making some money and buying a nice house and all this, but what people didn't realize is we were being unhinged from a stable uh, money. Uh, our currency was no longer stable. So everybody looked around and looked at each other and said, you know, I'm making 120 grand a year. My father never made a quarter of that his whole life. So we thought, you know, we were having a good time. Well, I believe that was the wool that was pulled over our eyes. And mm-hmm. we, we, in exchange for that all, we thought, well, well, what the hell? I'll trust my government. They seem like nice guys. And you see, you look at a guy like Bill Clinton. I never, I'll never forget this. I was standing online and this woman goes, oh, I wish Bill Clinton could run for another term. And I said, well, why? Oh, he was so handsome. I said, I went ballistic. I was really upset that day. And I said, that's how you choose a politician. That's how you choose your president. And I think we got blinded by um, something, Camelot. I don't know what it was, but this belief that we could actually be taken care of. For the first time, we had generations that just went, okay, my father was a lifelong Democrat and a lifelong member of the NRA. And he is rolling in his rolling over in his grave, hearing how Democrats act today. He couldn't even understand a Democrat today uh, because no. it doesn't make any sense to him. He knew that government had to be limited at some level because at some point they're going to use a big stick on you. Uh, and we are at that point right now where we are at a very dangerous point between crossing over into totalitarianism and the collapse of our economy and the end of this amazing dream called America and perhaps enough people waking up to say, you know what, we don't want to be like Europe. We don't want to be subjugated to uh, whatever rulers, even though they look so modern and good looking with their perfect hair and their suits, we don't want to subjugate ourselves to that. And um, people don't realize we have to roll back our laws and nullify a lot of things because we don't own anything anymore. We own no, we really don't. We don't even own our debt. No. You know? So we're I in mean, for- How sad is that? Yeah. My question is, what did we put up for collateral? Because, I mean, we're I seeing know. all these wars, you know, <laughs> know. and no, no, no Taliban, ISIS person, no one has ever taken any freedom from me. But I can name you probably off the top of my head without lying, 20 congressmen who have. Why isn't D.C. on fire? Why is Iraq on fire and D.C. isn't? Right. So this is the wool that you're being, you know, Vietnam was a wool over our eyes with the Gulf of Tonkin incident, uh, the USS Maddox incident. That never happened. That was later acknowledged. But it started a war. So Vietnam War was started with a lie. Iraq and Afghanistan started with a lie. 
This is a self-ownership. And what do we do? We tie ribbons around our trees and send our soldiers care packages. Right. If you want to support the troops, then don't send them off to die for life. You know, I was in the Air Force, and now when people hear me talk, they think I'm anti-military. I'm not. I'm named after my dad's friend who died right beside him in Vietnam. I'm, my name is Michael because of my dad's friend who died. So I'm not anti-military. My, my nephew is in the Army, and he's a lifer. My dad was in the Air Force. My grandfather was in the Air Force. I'm not anti-military, but I sure as hell am anti-sending my neighbor to die for banker lies. And if it means i got to speak out in an honest and truthful way, then I'm going to do that. My question is, why isn't everybody doing that? How many more coffin-draped caskets and how many families being broken up are we going to go through before we realize that this is fictitious, that this is for the, for the sole purpose of control, no other reason? Wow. This is powerful. I want to have you back on the show, Michael. Uh, I really want to thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, pick up his book at Amazon.com, Anatomy of the Global Agenda by Michael W. Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L. Michael, how do people get a hold of you if they need to contact you or they just want to say, hey, great job? Oh, appreciate that. And I, before I do that, I'd like to send you about 10 copies to give away to your listeners if, you, if you'd like. That'd be great. Let's do that. The first 10 listeners right. who contact me, I will send you uh, Michael's book. Uh, so go ahead, uh, Michael, continue. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at PatriotMan23. I don't really use Twitter too much, but I am on Facebook at Michael Howell, and also my brand is Fighting the Tyranny. So you can find me on my Fighting the Tyranny like page. If you want to get in and in, in, um, touch with me directly, then it's MichaelH023 at Gmail. I do like listening to people uh, who's read the book or, or know about it, good or bad. Call me and tell me you love it. Call me and tell me you hate it, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> but those are the contact ways that you can get in touch with me. And I always like to, like to you know, talk to people. So don't be hesitant. I do uh, speaking as well, so you might see me out on the road somewhere. But. Awesome. Michael, I, am I do like to uh, get feedback from my readers. Great. Michael, I'm honored to have you on Awaken Nation. Thank you so much and have an awesome day, my friend. Thanks for having me, bro. I want to thank you so much for being a big part of the Awaken Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you, and see you next week. Thank you.